was set for those. And, and as you look at the children, you look and say, who do they look like in the family? You know, do they look like me or my spouse? You know, do they, they look like a grandma or grandpa? Hopefully they don't look like the mailman. And we, too, are to look like our father. Now, another question. How do children learn? They learn by imitation. They, they watch what the adults or their older siblings do, and they imitate that. So, do you, as God's child, look and act like him or the world? Jesus or Taylor Swift or the Kardashians? You look and act like who you spend time with. So is that God or soap opera characters? Is it Jesus or NFL football players? We're looking at the book of Ephesians. We're going through that verse by verse. We're in chapter five now of the book of Ephesians. I want to share with you four characteristics from this section that we're going to read in the book of Ephesians that that help us to have the same characteristics that God does. We're going to see four characteristics of God, which we as his children will imitate. We want to look like our father. The first is God is love. Let's read Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. First John 4, 8 says God is love. God is love in a different way than we are, of course, because he's intrinsically love. His essence is love. But to be like him, we must love as he loved. First John 4, 12. No one has ever seen God if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Luke 636, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. So let me ask you this morning, do you find it hard to love? And God's kind of love definitely is challenging. It says here in our text in verse one, beloved children. I love that. The foundation for loving is to accept the fact that you are loved. You can't love unless you know you're loved. Maybe you've heard the phrase hurt people, hurt people. And loved people, love people, even if no one else loves you, which I highly doubt. I can tell you this. God loves you and he gives you his love so that you can love others unconditionally, not based on their performance. Performance love is a lot of ways how we love. We love when other people love us. We love them back. Maybe we wait for them to love us before we love them. If someone is nice to us, we're nice to them back. No, that's not what God's love and imitating his love is all about. We love them regardless. We may tend to stop loving when someone is mean to us. The only way that we're going to ever be able to love our enemy is to know we're loved. Do you know you're loved? You are dearly loved by God. You're his beloved child. Because the father loves the son and the son loves the father. 
and their love is in us. So I make a decision. I make a commitment to love. It's a choice. It's not based on my feelings. I won't always feel warm fuzzies for everybody, but I can love. I make a decision to love. So I need an example. In verse one, we're told that Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. The ultimate sacrifice. We're to imitate that. And Jesus gives us one of many practical examples of his love in John 13. In 14 to 15, that chapter, if I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you, not only in feet washing, but in so many practical ways of service. Jesus is saying, imitate me, imitate my love, reach out to others and serve them with my love. And loving always costs us something. Love sacrifices. If you've never sacrificed, you've never loved. C.S. Lewis says to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be certainly wrung out and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. God is love. He loved you and me. And so as his beloved child, we love as he loved. Number two, characteristic of God. God is holy. Ephesians 5, 3 to 7 continues. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. If you noticed in verse three, Paul calls them saints, hagios, which means holy ones. That's us. You really are holy. That's who you are. We need to be reminded of that because we forget. We imitate the world out of habit or out of temptation. But holy people please God. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, strive for peace with everyone and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We can be sure that sinful lifestyles displease God. And we are to be like God, who is holy. Ephesians 4, 24 says, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Holiness, once again, being a uh, characteristic of God that is of his essence. 
Then in this text, Paul mentions sinful behaviors, which the Ephesians were steeped in. Old religion involved temple prostitution. This describes our culture as well. Christians are not to be or do these things because that's not who we are. While we'll never be sinless, we can sin less. Here's a list. Sexual immorality. We live in a sin, sex-saturated culture. It's everywhere. It's in the church. We can begin to think it must be okay because it's so common, but we Christians are called to a higher standard. Impurity, that word means dirty. A dirty mind results in dirty actions and words. Covetousness. I must have more and have what you have. It's never enough. I'm covetous when I'm not trusting God to supply what I need. I need what God has provided. Then Paul mentions three speech sins. Filthiness, foolish talking, crude joking. What's in our heart comes out of our mouth. It could be vicious or it could be silly. It could be meaningless chatter, dirty jokes. You know what? You don't have to laugh. You could walk away. But instead, we give thanks. Be thankful. That's what our mouths are for. They're meant by God to give praise to him and encouragement to his people. So God set a watch over my mouth that I may not sin against you. Paul calls the one who lives like this an idolater. He says they won't go to heaven. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not a kingdom person, not a believer, not a Christian. Instead, the wrath of God comes upon them. So don't be partners with them. This is very serious. I, I hope you hear Paul here. He's warning the Ephesians and us. He's not writing this to the world. He's writing this to Christians. You do not want any part of God's wrath, which is something a lot of circles of Christianity never talk about. But it's true. It's in God's word. Paul saying to them and to us, stay away from the sins or the people committing them. Don't go down with them. Don't listen to them. Don't hang with them. Don't imitate them. Imitate your father. Young people especially, choose your friends carefully. Who you spend time with will influence you. If you spend time with God, you will be holy. If you spend time with holy people, they will influence you for good. If you spend time with unholy people, you'll be unholy. The Bible does teach us, though, that we can be with the unsaved as to share our faith with them. Jesus did. He was called a, a drunk and a glutton, not because he was those things, but his enemies said that about him because he spent time with those who were. Paul's very clear here. Don't be a partner with them. Don't be a partaker with them. They'll bring you down. Let's read an example in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is addressing the Corinthians here over the same issue. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. 
Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. God's wrath is meant to be redemptive. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Again, it influences others to do wrong. Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Here we have, I presume, a believer living in sin. Paul says, don't hang out with him. Don't associate with him. Confront him. If you don't confront, they will assume that you approve of their lifestyle choices. Don't judge unbelievers. They're just doing what they do which is sin. Witness to them, live a holy life before them, and they may want to change and get saved. But avoid a sinning believer. They will drag you down. Keep loving them. Warn them of God's wrath. Now, what about the Christian who doesn't want to be in sin? They're struggling with a particular sin. Help them. Come alongside them, pray for them, love them. They need your support, your prayers, your concern. God is holy and you are to be also because you're to be like your father. So live like a holy person. But I don't feel very holy. Well, then repent. Renew your mind in the truth of God's word. Think pure thoughts. Even if you have mud on your shirt, your body on the inside is still clean. Just take off your dirty shirt and stay out of mud puddles. Here's number three. Third characteristic of God that we're to be like. God is light. Ephesians 5, 8 to 14. For at one time you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful 
even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. If you've ever gotten up in the middle of the night and didn't turn on the light, you're going to the bathroom, you stub your toe, you yell out, then you switch on the light and think, why didn't I turn on the light before I made this journey? You're no longer in darkness, you're in the light. Jesus is the light of the world. John eight twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. Surprising, but it does. Matthew five fourteen. First phrase, you are the light of the world. That's the truth about you. Believe it. That's who you are. So live it. Think of Jesus's light like the sun and your light like the moon. Right. You reflect his light. You're not the light source. He is. So you just need to be with the light source. Jesus. Well, I'm only a half moon or a fingernail moon. Okay, you can get brighter. Just spend more time with Jesus. How do I walk in the light or how do I know I'm walking in the light? Paul mentions three things here. A. There will be fruit in your life. Verse nine. That fruit will be good, right, and true. These three virtues will shine out from your life so that others will see it. The word good is integrity or character. Right means right standing with God. You're in a right relationship with God. You know him. You're saved. And true is reality. What's real? What's honest? Are these things visible to the world around you where they can see you be? You know, God's will. If you're walking in the light, you will know God's will. Verse 10, discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Do you have a desire to please God, to know him, to know his will? What pleases God? Holiness. Loving others. God would rather you be holy than happy. You might want to be happy. God says, I want you to be holy. His will is definitely not anything dark. It makes no sense. And there's no point of standing in the dark and yelling to everybody. It's dark. That's obvious. They can't see. They're not used to seeing. Darkness is normal for them. They're not used to it. They won't hear you. You saying it's dark is silly to them. So the next point shows how to share your faith with someone who's in the dark. Shine your light. That's a C fill in. Shine your light. Let's sing for a moment, okay? This little light of mine, okay? Let's sing that. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You said it really good. It's nice to do that in here, isn't it? 
But it's much better to do it out there in the dark places. People are in darkness and many of them don't even realize it. Wouldn't it be better to light a candle in the dark rather than just curse how dark it is out here? And in some ways, I think that's what's happened to Christians in Christianity. We've just become negative. Everybody just knows what we're against rather than who we're for. Be an example. Christianity is the true and real alternative lifestyle. Live in light and that will be a difference. If someone is sitting in the dark and you turn on the light, will they notice? Absolutely, they'll notice. They'll be able to see clearly now. And it may be uncomfortable for them. They may cover their eyes because they're used to darkness. They may run away. They may get mad at you and tell you, turn off that light. They won't like you. And that's how they reacted to Jesus. When he came, they told him, shut up. They killed him. But you know what? Many others ran to his light. So shine yours. How can you shine your light at work or school? I want you to think about it. You're a creative person. Be creative. Be practical. You are the light of the world. So shine your light. Fourth characteristic of God we are to imitate is God is wise. Ephesians 5, 17, 5, 15 to 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Romans 6, 27 says to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. God is wise. And we are to be also. I like some of these wise statements of Regina Brett, who's 90 years old. Christian lady came to this part of her life and she said, life isn't fair, but it's still good. When in doubt, just take the next small step. Life is too short to waste time hating anyone. Your job won't take care of you when you're sick. Your friends and parents will. So stay in touch. Pay off your credit cards every month. You don't have to win every argument. Agree to disagree. Cry with someone. It's more healing than crying alone. When it comes to chocolate, resistance is futile. Make peace with your past so it won't screw up your present. It's okay to let your children see you cry. Don't compare your life to others. You have no idea what journey their journey is all about. If a relationship has to be secret, you shouldn't be in it. Everything can change in the blink of an eye, but don't worry, God never blinks. Take a deep breath. It calms the mind. Get rid of anything that isn't useful, beautiful or joyful. Whatever doesn't kill you really does make you stronger. Frame every so-called disaster with the words, in five years, this will this matter? Always choose life. And the last one, forgive everyone and everything. Look carefully how you walk, Paul says. I bet the acrobat on the, the tightrope 
is very careful about how he walks. And so should we. This world is full of landmines. It's easy to make the wrong step and blow up yourself. So act carefully. Be carefully how you walk lest you fall. Be wise, not unwise, because your children are watching. Your co-workers are watching. Make good choices daily. Make the best use of your time. Make it count. It's limited. And that word time is interesting. It's not chronos, where we get chronological time or clock time. It's the word keros, which is God's time. Opportunity. Those can be limited. We all have the same 24 hours. Use it wisely. And don't be foolish. The Greek word there is moron. Look, truly it is. And the Bible uses it to be morally stupid. To oppose God in his ways is stupid because he always does the right thing. So if I'm opposed to God, I'm opposing common sense. I'm a moral moron. I must be in the word because these days are evil and that is true and they're getting worse. It seems as if judgment is already on the land. So evermore do we need to imitate the father and shine our light. The last day's church, I believe, is going to be an alternative to the world and it will be appealing to unbelievers. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. The truth that we could read and look at together today. I I pray that this word will echo in our minds throughout this week and the rest of our lives as we think about you and who you are and realize who we are in Christ. We're not alone. We're not on our own. You are with us and in us. And then, Lord, help us to make those good choices that show forth who we really are. And if anyone here this morning, perhaps, doesn't know you, doesn't have that personal relationship with Jesus, I pray that right now, even during this closing song, they're just repenting of their sin and turning to Christ. Saying, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Come and live inside of me. And you will. Thank you, Lord, for today, for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's stand.